I'm Dream Dogs, Amethope Service Dogs, and we're here tonight for a very special episode. We always have very special episodes, but this one is super very special. <laughs> so what are we going to talk about? Well, if you've read the title, you kind of have an idea. Um, it's about the fallout and the fallacy of positive reinforcement only training. <laughs> So why am I this crazy to make this the title? Because I'm either going to get love mail from it or I'm going to get hate mail from it or a little bit of both along with probably some really nasty comments um, and some nasty reviews because, you know, people. And whenever you disagree with them, um, they can get nasty, especially the ones who claim to be positive only can be um, extremely negative. So we, I'm just warning you guys now, if you love me, and you can leave a, a five-star review on Facebook. If you can leave a review on uh, wherever you listen to the podcast at, I would love it um, because I have a feeling it's going to get bad. Uh, so why are we talking about this? Oh, there we go. Move this away. It gets dark here way earlier, and we always need a little extra light. Um, or I feel like I'm in the shadows talking, and I don't like to feel that way. Uh, a quick update on what's been going on uh, before we get into it is we went last week. Um, let's say we talked on Tuesday, Wednesday, we took uh, the Jeep in because Wednesday we wanted it to just be an easy day because last week, Tuesday, Tuesday was McAllister's. So we went live for about a half hour um, as people were coming and going. That was our first fundraiser for Hope Service Dogs. It was a restaurant fundraiser. So they're matching... 15% uh, of what was brought in from our people between two and seven. Um, so we're super excited that we were able to do that. Uh, if any of you guys do any sort of fundraiser or have any experience with that and can share with us on what works out well for you guys, I would appreciate it um, because training a service dog is expensive. It's about $25,000 just for the training. Uh, and we want the dogs to be the best dogs out there. So we were there and had a bunch of dogs with us, which was great, uh, but it was really cold. So we didn't have as many that night as what we could have um, because Floridians, if it gets to be, you know, below 70, they kind of run for the hills. Uh, so Wednesday, uh, we took the Jeep in for, it was supposed to be quick. There was a recall on the steering column. It's supposed to be quick. So I'm like, okay, we'll bring Django. So me and Rich went up with Django. We drop it off. And it's about, what, 45 minutes away. So we didn't bring a second car. You know, we're, they tell us it's going to be three hours. He said it was going to be quick. Three hours is not quick. And they're like, well, sometimes it's eight hours. And I'm like, you have to redefine your quick. I was expecting under an hour. Aren't you, Rich, under an hour for quick? Yes, quick is under an hour. No, quick is quicker than that. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> uh, so they, they drove us to a wonderful restaurant that we love up there that we're thinking of going to anyway. Uh, so that made it easy. Uh, with Django and he did amazing and we got some video footage of him working uh, at the car dealership and he's just coming along super. On um, Thursday we went to Epcot. Uh, Karen came out with Holstein. Uh, we took Gypsy, we took Loki, we took Holstein, me, Rich, Luke and Karen and my new chair um, all went to Epcot and we saw um, Neil Patrick Harris, otherwise known as Dookie Hauser. Uh, do the candlelight processional, and that was fantastic. We didn't get good seats, um, but I had a seat because I had my chair. Uh, so that was great, but because of that, I was exhausted on Friday, which, yeah, that's how things go. Um, so I was exhausted on Friday. 
Uh, Saturday, we had group class. One of my goats went to a, a dear friend, um, She-Ra, the one who has Aiden, who was going to be a potential gypsy daddy. Um, but they didn't make puppies. So her next heat cycle, if this one was in October, the next one should be April. Um, so April, we will see. Um, we're vetting prospects right now on who to who is good to pork gypsy. Um, so, so Saturday, Lily, the goat, um, our most beautiful goat, she, she was absolutely gorgeous. However, her issue is she's a head butter to new people. If you have a spray bottle of water, it works and she'll leave you alone. Anything else and she won't. And then when she gets used to you, she's pretty good. Now the problem is uh, we have clients all the time who come out who want their kids or they want to go and see the goats. And then we have head buddy goat who just wants to head buddy everybody who comes in who's new. Do you see the problem? And I, she couldn't stay. So she went with She-Ra. Um, and then we cut up a bunch of boxes to make more boxes for boxes. And I do have to do a video on boxes. Um, that was Saturday. Sunday, we went up to Georgia. And we did uh, Loki and Gypsy and Candy's hips and elbows and Thogward. And I actually left Candy up there. So those of you who leave me your dogs for boarding or boot camp, I know what you're going through because I'm going through it with, with Kayla. I'm trying not to bug her and say, what's she doing? How is she? What's she doing right now? Uh, because Kayla has a ton of experience. She's she's a one of my former trainers. She's a vet veterinarian. She's in the military. Her husband is like the top trainer for, for their thing. She has a Doberman. She's bred Dobermans. She's the one who actually found me candy, which Rich hadn't realized. You know, like I trust her with any of my dogs, which I don't say lightly. Um, and so she's up there because she had um, this thing on her cheek. Like you could touch it and it was like a little squishy. Uh, she sampled it while Candy was out for getting her x-rays and said that, yeah, you know, we could, um, you know, we could do a dental and take it out through the cheek. So I said, do you want to keep her for a week and do it? Uh, so she kept her. So she has her for the week and then she's coming back this weekend. And then I get Kayla's dogs while they go on vacation. So that's how things go. Um, but but that was great. But you know what? That was Sunday. That was driving about three hours, being up there for a while and then driving home. So we left at like nine in the morning. We didn't get home until 10 at night. Luke was here. Autumn was here. So it worked out well. But holy cow, I was exhausted afterwards. I was exhausted all day yesterday. Um, I was exhausted most of today. Um, I got a nap today. So I'm actually feeling really good for you guys. So I made sure I got a nap. And I came up with what we want to talk about tonight, which is the, the fallacy and the fallout of positive reinforcement only training. Um, I have a couple different Facebook groups. And one of them, uh, they were talking about how what was it? Something about how if you don't have good timing with a clicker, you shouldn't be using an e-collar. Now they both have to do about timing. So I do agree, you know, they both have to do with timing and you should be using both. You know, if you're one of those, I hate clickers, they're terrible, they're annoying, come up with a marker word. But you know, the problem with having just a marker word is a marker word is going to take a lot longer to get out than a click. And your dog has to be listening for it because if I'm talking to you and I say, oh, that's a really, uh, look, we've had some comments here. Oh, that's, that's a good comment right there. What if good's my, my release? Or people like yes is a release word, which is one of my least favorite release words. Uh, so I say, um, good evening. Yes, Kim, isn't it a good evening? Like I just said yes. Like mm, 
but what about my marker word from my dog? You know, are they going to have to listen to every word I say and decide if I'm talking to them or if I'm talking to myself? Because they don't see you guys. I don't think they understand what a computer is. Just that I'm a little crazy sometimes and I talk to myself in the room here. Uh, so I like to have a total different sound that I could be precise with. And that's where the clicker comes in. And I love clickers. I started as a clicker trainer. I don't know if some of you guys realize that or not. I started as a clicker trainer. I'm really darn good with the clicker. And however, there were limitations to it. Clicker is great for adding things, positive reinforcement, right? Reinforcement, getting those behaviors over and over and over again. You know what it's not good at? It's not good at eliminating unwanted behaviors. So what do positive reinforcement trainers tell you? If your dog is barking, what do you do? I'm going to tell you what they say to do. What they say is to put barking on cue and then don't ask for it. Okay. Or just wait him out and then click him when he's quiet. Well, here's the problems with both of those scenarios is the first one, um, put barking on cue. Okay. Guess what? You just made it legal. And if it's legal and he got a reward for it now, he's going to try and try and try and try again to do it in the future because it was, it was legal and it paid right there. Okay. So that's number one problem. Why positive reinforcement only training cannot eliminate a behavior. It, the other one is if you just wait for him to stop barking and then you reward the quiet. So is it the quiet or is it five minutes of barking? 30 seconds of quiet gets me a treat. So maybe 10 minutes of barking and 30 seconds of quiet will get me a treat. Okay. Um, now you can do a lot of fun stuff with clicker. And I'm not saying don't reward your dog, like reward the snot out of your dog. <laughs> well, don't reward the snot out of him. Reward the heck out of your dog. Uh, I love rewarding my dogs. It's fun. You know what I've also found out? Clients love treating their dog. Um, I use treats. I do. I don't just use existential food. What's existential food? It's the, it's the meal that they're going to get. I do use that, especially for dogs who are overweight, dogs who have tummy issues, dogs who have skin issues or food allergies. They're basically just going to eat their food. But like Django candy, I can put weight on both of them because they're both on the lean side. So I'm going to train with treats with them. If I have a dog who's a little bit like, meh, maybe I don't want to do it today. If I can do a little bit more extra incentive with the, the treats in the beginning, get a little more buy-in a little faster, sweeten the pot a little bit, I'm going to. You know, I have clients, whenever they drop their dog off for boot camp, they bring in a couple bags of treats. You know, why? Because I want to be able to have something that's that's better. Now, that doesn't mean if the dog listen doesn't listen to that, I'm going to go make him a, a filet mignon because, or a Philip mignon, uh, because that's not going to happen. Okay, like, this is it, or you don't eat. And that's where you have to look at positive reinforcement training and understand that that is your your correction, if your dog doesn't do when he should do, is he doesn't eat. Now, I don't like to starve a dog. It's not going to be eat from my hand or you don't eat. I mean, I'm going to make it easy for you. I'm going to toss you a food. You know, if you sit for me, I might give you a half a cup of food. Like, I want it to be super fun. Django has a toy on the bed, so that's what the squeaking is. Uh, I want it to be super fun for them. I want that buy-in. I want to be seen as somebody who gives really good advice, as my friend Chad Mackin says, right? I want to be the person who gives really good advice, and the dog understands that. Um, here, Barrett says, I'm so glad you're covering this. I was thinking about you the other day, Barrett, um, and about what was going on with you and doggy was. Uh, Claire says, what are your favorite treats to use? I like 
small treats that are about the size of a pencil eraser and soft. I don't like hard, crunchy treats for most dogs. I like them small and moist so they can just gulp them down. Um, my favorites are the Pet Botanicals or the Tricky Trainers. And those I get on Chewy. They're they're not expensive. Um, now, I also, like, there's Rachel Ray has a pepperoni one that's really cute. It's like pieces of sausage pepperoni. But you have to break those up. So I prefer not having to break them up. And I actually sat there and I cut up a thing of the Pet Botanicals once. And what I found is I was using twice as much. So I don't cut up treats. Um, it just takes way too long. And I love freeze-dried liver. The problem is those cubes are like an inch cubes. And it's just too hard to sit and cut them up. You, you create more dust. Um, so that's why I don't really use, a, like I will use, if I'm feeding a dog raw, I will use the freeze-dried liver, the freeze-dried lamb lung. But the problem is breaking it up while I'm doing it. I want something fast. And since I do feed my dogs kibble-based diet, Purina Proplan, um, because I do feed kibble, I can just do kibble. If I fed raw, um, I have a couple options. One is to have a separate bowl on the floor. And when they do whatever, their reward goes into the bowl and they can eat it. Or, um, and I've done that with a spoon, a spoon of food, or a spoon of food and they lick off the spoon. That was Gypsy's favorite. Uh, Portia says, I use Mufasa's meal plus a small amount of his favorite treats and he loves it. Yeah, we do that a lot. Again, if the dog comes in with weight issues, um, I don't use treats. No treats. Um, Nicole says she started watching the online course and Nicole, I'm so happy. Uh, let me know what you think. Um, and let me know if there's anything confusing about it because we did, um, reshoot a lot of it in August and we still have stuff that we need to do. Um, we've just been so busy and my health hasn't been the greatest. So, you know, our goal is this month to hopefully get some more in there. Um, Nicole says she uses the dogs if kibble, um, Zewi pack or origin kibble and sometimes Zooks. Yeah. Zooks are great too. That's the other one. I knew there was a third one. So tricky trainers. Uh, Pet Botanics and Zooks. Those are the three that I like, the soft, moist treats. Those are the best ones. Um, the canine carryout, uh-uh. And, and a lot of them have sugar, which, you know, you have to check what it is. Um, when Gypsy was a puppy, I just got a bag of Origin, and that was her training treats because she was on Raw at the time. Uh, and, and, and that worked. Uh, Claire says, what about low-fat hot dogs cut up into pea size? One hot dog equals about 30 treats. So I have a video on YouTube. I said so, I'm sorry. Trying to eliminate that still. Um, I wouldn't use low-fat hot dogs. I would use maybe low-sugar hot dogs uh, because there's nothing wrong with fat, uh, especially for dogs. You kind of want them to have a little more fat in their diet. Um, but it's the salt and it's sugar uh, that they don't need. I mean, it just, it tastes good. Salt and sugar tastes really good. So people eat a lot of it. Um, and, and if you do it right, Claire, you can get about 100 treats out of one hot dog. And here's how you do it is you take the hot dog and you slice it in half the long way. And you flip it 90 degrees and you slice it in half again the long way. So now it's in quarters the long way. You have long, skinny, like carrot stick straws, right? And then you go and do, 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 do. if you can get 25 do, 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 um, you got 100 treats, right? Um, so we would do that. We would actually go and buy the, the $1 for eight hot dogs at, at, the, at the store. Um, not the good stuff. They're not going to get Ballpark or Hebrews National or Nathan's. They're going to get you know, the El Cheapo ones. And then Luke starts telling me he loves the El Cheapo hot dogs more than the good hot dogs. I'm like, oh, Luke. Uh, and we would do that and we'd put them in sandwich size Ziploc baggies and we'd throw them in the freezer and then we'd have them at the training center. So if we're doing training class and somebody needed treats, if it's eight to a pack, I can get 800 treats for a buck. Like that's the cheapest ever. 
Um, thanks. Yeah, definitely. Like I said, there is a video, Claire. So if you can't find it, let me know. Um, but you get people who are oh, the sugar, are oh, the salt. So, you know, you have that. So just understand that, you know, like I'll use lunch meat too. I know people use cheese. Uh, you know, you have to do with what your dog likes. I just don't want you to say, well, he's not responding now. So I have to go to the Philip McDonald. And yes, I know that's not pronounced right. That started whenever my brother um, started calling Yaki, Gino Chichi. You know, you say it like it sounds. So it's Gino Chichi, it's Philip Mignon, it's the valet's parking. You know, we have fun with our words. Gwaltney's hot dogs. See, just like that. What do you do? You just sound it out. Um, so treats, yes, I do use them. It's fun, I like it. Owners like it. Um, and it's nice with the service dogs, especially to use the treats uh, whenever I'm doing outings with them in the beginning, because I don't want to have a bunch of um, kibble dust on my fingers because that gets really gross. Uh, now, Django's not even 10 months old yet. I did not have any treats the last couple outings that he's been on. Or if I have them, I don't have to use them. And, and that's fantastic. I like not having to use treats on outings. Um, I see some service dogs two, three, four years old, and they're still having to be lured for everything and they have to be treated for everything. And that's ridiculous. There comes a point where you transition from um, piecemeal, like you sat, here's a treat, you're down, here's a treat, to maybe sit down, stand, here's a treat, um, stay calm place, here's a treat, uh, to you did your work for the day, that's awesome, the work has become the reward, and here's your food at night. Uh, you know, so you have both of those, but what is the fallout of positive reinforcement training is first, the dog's not going to get trained. Okay. And the fallacies, the dog's not going to get trained. So you have somebody who a lot of positive reinforcement trainers, they don't do boot camp. They do the private sessions. And I'll tell you why, whenever we talk about how many reps it takes to get the behaviors, um, they do the, the private training sessions, um, one-on-one -on -one, or you buy like a block of them. And you're gonna get frustrated because you're not gonna see results, but you know you have to do positive reinforcement only because that's what they say. Well, who's they? Well, everybody, they say to use positive only training. Well, first, if you call it positive only training, that implies that the other one's not positive only, that it's negative only, right? Nobody that I know uses negative only training. They're at least gonna say, good job, pet the dog, smile at the dog, give them a thumbs up. And I'm not saying this is true for every trainer because there are some doozies out there. But good trainers are a different story. And this is where I love me Popo and with Bart and Michael. And what they do is they, they make it very, very, very clear for you on how it is. And so I'm going to share that with you. Are you ready? Um, well, like I said, I'm going to get to the pyramid and the numbers in a second. I'm going to write it down so I don't forget. The pyramid and the number of reps. Um, cause you're going to be really surprised about this. Uh, but I want to go back a minute to, to why, uh, like I said, it's good for adding behaviors for tricks. It's super for, for service dog tasks. It's super, uh, you know, it's, it's super great to do it. It's fun. It makes you feel good. What happened about the dog who's aggressive and trying to kill me? Like, am I just going to like walk and click and throw treats at him? I mean, if you want to, or you can wait for rewarding that right state of mind. Um, you can wait for, um, you know, for him to come to you and then you toss the food away. 
you know, the dog's going to eat anyway. Why the heck are you feeding out of a bowl? You know what Luke's been doing? Because Luke does a lot with the dogs, um, which is super because it really is a, a team family effort. Luke's been feeding the boot camp dogs at night. And uh, Rich made me my box last week, I think. So he's been feeding them all out of the box. And so we were talking tonight about what the next step is. And we do have to put together a video on how to do box training with a dog. I hear Nicole commented, I saw a comment on a positive only service dog group today that so many service dogs are wearing shock collars. It's so sad they can't enjoy their work. Nicole, I had a call from a girl, a woman, sorry, a woman. I don't know how old she is. Um, she's a Florida, I think she's in Florida. Uh, and I'm not going to say name or breed or anything. But as we were talking, well, as she left a message, she said she wanted to do positive only training on a flat collar where she just rewards the behaviors that she likes. And I heard that and I thought, I don't think I'm the trainer for you. So Rich and I listened to the message before I called her. And Rich said, well, let me talk to her because I can convince her that we're right and that she should work with us. And I said, well, of course we're right and she should work with us. I mean, that goes without saying, but do we want to? Is this right for her? I mean, yeah, it's right for her dog. Like our training is amazing, but they have to be ready for it. And I don't want to work with somebody who is that against it. So whenever I, I called her up to talk to her on the phone, and we talked about the breed she had you know, chosen and, and how old her dog was and what her dog's doing right now and about her old service dog um, who had retired. And what we talked about was, I told her right away, I said, I don't think I'm the, the trainer for you. I don't think this is the program for you. I think, um, you know, you might want to look at, find somebody else. And that kind of surprises people when I tell them this, uh, because I know I'm not the right trainer for everybody. Right? I know it because there, there's personalities that aren't going to mesh. There's goals. There's going to be religious ideologies that don't mesh. And by religious, I mean, hail positive reinforcement only training. Um, so as we talked about it, she said that her last service dog was trained with only negative reinforcement, only corrections. She barely said good dog to your, to the dog. And I said, well, that's not right either. You know, especially for a service dog, for a dog who's trying to kill you, for a dog who's out of control, who needs that authority, you might have to be that way where you give very little praise to your dog and you have to be serious with them at all times, but that is not a dog who should be a service dog. Um, and, and it's hard. Um, you know, it's really uh, diff difficult whenever not everybody trains the way I do, which is the best way and the right way. Um, hail Vicky, but no, just kidding on that one. Uh, it, it is, it, it's difficult because if I tell you I like e-collars for dogs, so like Nicole saying, um, she saw the comment in a positive only service dog group that so many service dogs are wearing shock collars. It's so sad they can't enjoy their work, right? She just posted that. If I say shock collars are great, you know, the only thing shocking is that they're not shocking. Then if you go to a local trainer and the local trainer doesn't know how to use it the right way, you're going to say, well, wait a minute, Biggie told me that shot collars were great. And they are used the right way. Clickers are great used the right way. Well, what happens if you don't use the clicker the right way? What's the worst that can happen is that you end up with a confused dog who doesn't know why you're clicking, a fat dog who maybe has some sort of medical conditions because he got too fat because you fed him too many, you know, s'mores is, is treats. And now he, he's diabetic and um, he needs to call Wolf or Brumley to get his diabetic testing supplies cheaply. 
Um, you have a dog who doesn't come when called and gets hit by a car. Um, you have a dog who doesn't do what you need him to do. So all this training that you've been doing with him, especially for service dog work, now goes out the window because the dog doesn't have a must key. You must do that. You must do that. You must do that. And honestly, yes, my dogs have a must key. You must do it because I told you to do it now. Is that mean? No. My gosh, are you kidding me? Like Gypsy got to see Neil Patrick Harris last week at Epcot. Like my dogs get to do pretty much everything I do. Uh, and there's talk with the new Poison, um, Def Leppard and Motley Crue concert. You know, I was talking to Karen. I'm like, would you want to go to that? Uh, so we're going to look at ticket prices as they're released and see if this is what we want to do. Um, and, you know, which dogs would come with us, which means they get to go to a concert, which means they get to get the Mutt Muffs, which means we have to show them how the Mutt Muffs work and get them used to it. Well, Holstein's used to it, but Gypsy's not. I don't own a pair. So, you know, like my dogs get to do pretty cool things. Like they've flown with me all over the country. Uh, you know, they spend more time with me. Django, I, I came back from lunch and errands today and I had to lay down on the bed and sleep and he laid down right beside me because that's part of his job is lay down beside me, lay down on top of me and help me out. So are they spoiled? Yes, <laughs> but they work for it and they, they must do what I need them to do. Um, think about this. If your dog's a diabetic alert dog and he decides, <laughs> I'm not going to like pay attention to that today. And like, I don't know if you need me or not. I'm not going to alert you. Is that safe? Heck no, that's not safe. Or if I have a dog and I need, um, I need deep pressure therapy now, he needs to be able to do that now. If I need a brace now, he better brace now. Like you must do this now. I'm not asking for something ridiculous. You know, they, when I open up the door to go outside and they know I'm going somewhere, they will race to get to the Jeep because they know if they get to the Jeep, they get to come with me. So it's super fun. Um, but, but you need to have that must key. So, so the policy isn't just, oh, well, you won't hurt him. No, the policy is like, he's not going to be working for you. You could get hurt. Um, you could end up in the hospital on different funky meds. Um, you know, he could get fat and die. Uh, he could get hit by a car. Um, you're not going to make the behavior go away. So who, who's, what relationships are you going to ruin in that regard? Are you going to ruin the relationship with your spouse or with your children or with your friends or with your roommate? Because you have a dog who's out of control and you refuse to give the dog a correction. Not only that, but by not giving the dog a correction when they're puppies, which they need corrections when they're puppies. Um, those of you who have raised children or have seen children act like pain in the butts out in the stores, raise your hand, right? Uh, you know, we've all seen the kids screaming and throwing a temper tantrum in the store or at Disney. And sometimes it's because the kid's overly exhausted and shame on the parent for that one. And sometimes the, you know, the brat's throwing a fit because he's not getting the latest, greatest toy that's out there. And the parents are like, it's okay, it's okay, here, I'll give it to you. You can't do that either. Excuse you. Are you having fun? Are you? I love you, buddy. Play with your toys some more. Django has his um, burrito toy from BarkBox from a few months ago. He loves it. Um... Rebecca says, I have a different trainer friend, and she said 90% of dog training is training the human, only 10% is actually training the dog. Yep. Yeah, pretty much. Um, you have to get the human on board. Um, Melon says, I need to get in touch with you most definitely. You can PM me if you want to um, through this, and I'll respond to you whenever this is all said and done. Uh, or you can go to Dream K9, that's D-R-E-A-M, the letter K, the number 9.com, and that's our website, and that has our programs and our pricing on it. 
And Claire said, mine get more relaxed when their collars are on and they relax more around each other. I have three labs and that she loves Django. Thank you, Claire. Um, so I don't believe it's just positive only. And I think the problem with positive only, whenever you're doing only positive is you're not doing only positive. You're not, it's impossible. Why is it impossible? So positive reinforcement alleviates hunger. Done right, right? So that's not positive reinforcement because you're, you're removing the hunger thing. Melon says, thank, cool, thanks. Uh, you're, uh, you're relieving the hunger, right? Not only that, but the dog does something and you give him food. And he does something and you give him food. And he does something, you give him food. And he does something, and you don't give him food. You withheld food. That's not positive reinforcement, really, is it? But if you look at it this way, whatever tools you use to teach the dog with are tools that you can use to correct the dog with whenever it's time. Okay? So if I use an e-collar to teach, okay, which I do, I can use an e-collar to correct. And here's another problem with Django, with some of the trainers, is I only use an e-collar for come when called, or I only use an e-collar for finishing a dog, for proofing a dog, that's what it's called, for proofing a dog. I don't use an e-collar to teach, because that's just not right. Baloney, it's not right. I mean, yeah, you can layer it over that way, but it's just so much more work. And you're going to have to reteach it at that point anyway. So I would much rather start them from it. So how we do it is we start them, especially with puppies um, and the service dog ones, we start them with the, the clicker stuff. Clicker, capture the behaviors, get them to love it, um, get them to like it. We name them, get it to love it. We activate it. And then we move right to e-collar. And I'm going to tell you a story. And you're going to tell me how evil and what a devil I am is while I had candy in Missouri this last time with Karen um, last month for Nipopo Silver, my second time we were working on under. So I'm in the hotel room. I'm sitting at the edge of the bed. I have my legs out. And so my feet are on the entertainment center at the, at the hotel. And for her to get from one side of the room to the other side of the room, she had to go under my legs. So we were working on under. So I'm setting up the aquarium. So she has no choice but to go under. Okay, go honey. How about this toy? Or this toy? Rue has a toy that he would very much like. Uh, so do that. She goes underneath, click treat. She goes underneath the other way, click treat. And it wasn't treat. It was her food, but I'm going to call it treat because it sounds funner than click reward. Goes under, click food. Goes under, click food. Goes under. She had her e-collar on. I accidentally hit the e-collar instead of the clicker. Okay. Just real quick tap because the clicker is quick and the, the e-collar it's on the finger um, kick from, uh, from Chameleon, from Martin Systems. So it was quick. So she goes on under, and you know what? That was it. She got it. Not only did she get it, she did it quickly. She did it well. And it didn't flatten her, and it didn't hurt her, and it didn't kill her that I stimmed her instead of clicking her because she's e-collar fluent and she's e-collar savvy. That's what I like. It was pretty cool. And because of that, like, that that's what it took. And she was like, got this. Thanks. Uh, Django, this morning, told you they sleep in the, the bedroom with us. Uh, so this morning, the border collies were actually in the living room through the night, and Candy's up with Kayla. So it was just Gypsy and Django back here in the bedroom. And Django has been, when he gets a hold of a toy and you call him to you, he won't do it. And he'll pull one of these, turn my head away, turn my head away, turn my head away. I'm not giving you the toy. And I don't want to beg him to do it. You know, we work a little bit on take and hold while I'm waiting for Rich to build me my take and hold stand. Uh, but I'm not going to beg him to do it. I'm not going to chase him down. I want him to hand deliver me the, the toy. That's my favorite because then we can get to the retrieves. Uh, 
then I don't want to do everything. I don't want to have to do, as Bart calls it, the chicky chicky chacky dance. I don't want to be a cheerleader to have to get him to do it. So we have a giraffe. It's a latex giraffe from Kong. Gypsy had picked it out at conference last year, this past year. And so, uh, hey, get the giraffe. Buddy, get the giraffe. Over here. Jenga. That one right there. So anyway, he, he brings over the giraffe. And I said, you know, thank you. And I kind of touch it and he gives it to me. Okay. And this is like one of the first times he's done this to me. I tossed it across the room. My, my bedroom's a decent sized bedroom. I tossed it across the room and he runs over and he grabs it and he comes back. Right. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is fantastic. So he comes and again, thank you. And he drops it a couple times and, and I don't pick it up. I don't pick it up at all. I just kind of wait him out. And he picks it up and he, he, again, thank you. And he puts it in my hand. So we're starting to get these behaviors, right? Which is super cool uh, because he has not retrieved a hand before. And if he would have had his e-collar on, I would have started topping him for it because he was loving the behavior. So what do I do? I start getting him to do a sit, a down, and then I release him and then I toss the toy again. And he thought that was the best game in the world. Okay. First stage, they have to love it. First, when they love it, what I was doing with one of the boot camp dogs today is the dog was is a natural retriever, right? And and retrieve is always one I like. So what we were doing with her is I had her on um, one of the climbs with a K, climb with a K. It's one of those plastic places that are raised. Um, I had her on there on place looking at me, and I tossed the toy and I told her to get it. Um, and after a few times, I added the tap to it tap at the same time, get it. And she'd go and get it. Now the tap was on a very low setting. So she couldn't, you know, it wasn't an ouch setting. It was a, a reinforcing level, negative reinforcement level setting. And she'd go and she'd get it, bring, and I'd tap it again. Cause she's coming back anyway. I have her on leash. She'd bring it back to me. Thank you. And she'd give it to me. And we're starting that. And that was just the coolest thing to, you know, to take her from what we've been working on with her and bringing in that e-collar to get it so we have that must key because we need to have that must key, okay? Uh, Claire says, so glad to hear you do one thing instead of the other. I have stim when I meant to click also. It's nice to know I'm not the only one, right? Claire, whenever I did it, I was like, oh my God, I'm sorry, Candy. But I saw that she, because it wasn't a new thing, because she knows that what the, uh, and then Melon asked, do you shock for bad behavior? So we don't call it a shock collar, it's an e-collar. Um, it feels more like a TENS unit. It's not a taser. Okay. A lot of people think that shock collar taser, it's not, like I said, the only thing shocking is that it doesn't shock you. Um, so we try not to use that term because it is misleading. It's like calling your car a death machine who runs over orphans and nuns, you know, uh, or your phone here. This is not my iPhone. This is my, um, brain radiating phone. Because, you know, that's how things go. Uh, okay. So do what the e-collar means to me is do better. It doesn't mean you're wrong, you're stupid, you're ugly, and your mama dresses you funny. It just means do better. And because of how we do it, the tap, tap, tap for the levels are negative reinforcing levels. Okay. It's not a negative, bad, bad thing. So negative and positive for reinforcement and punishment. It doesn't mean that positive reinforcement is good and negative reinforcement is bad. 
Okay. It means that you're adding something or you're removing something. So positive is you add something. Reinforcement is it increases the likelihood of a behavior occurring. And negative reinforcement means you take something away to increase the likelihood of a behavior occurring. Django over here. And there, Rue has a toy. Rue's guarding against the toy because it's his toy. Django has no right to go up and steal it, but he does it to the gypsy all the time. So I gave him a tap for that. So do I correct for bad behavior? Heck yeah, I do. And he just stole it from Rue and Roulette. I'm um, Kelly says, if a dog's already volunteering a behavior, why do you need to prompt with the e-collar? I prompt it with the e-collar to use it in that way. So when a correction comes, which it will, he knows what to do for it. And because I want it quickly on command, it's not going to be, um, I drop something, I drop my, my phone or I need my meds. Get me my meds. Okay. I'll get it when I get around to it. It's, I need my meds, get them to me now because I need them now for some reason. Um, I dropped my phone. You need to pick up my phone right now before somebody runs it over. Um, I need you to check me diabetic wise. You know, like you need to do that now. So what it does is it helps to, to give the dog to install a must key. You must do this now. Like I'm not joking. This isn't a time to say sit and have to lure you up and push your butt down. This is now. Hi, Lauren. Uh, so yeah. And, and if they're already volunteering a behavior, what I do is I call it, I activate the behavior. So I prompt it with the e-collar because I want to layer it over so they know what to do when they feel it. So they know that it means do better, do faster, and get it done. Okay. Uh, now, other questions? Go ahead and ask them before I move on to the next thing, which is the, the pyramid and what it is that you're going to do with it. Um, and I like to use the e-collar for everything. I don't want to just use it for naughty behavior. I don't want to just use it for... My dog doesn't listen to me. Um, one thing I ask people all the time is, thanks, understand, good. I, I hope I make it clear. Sometimes I think it's clear in my head and it's really not, especially with the dysautonomia pots brain fog. It can be really bad um, because it means do better is the big thing. But uh, but yeah, we. Uh, what are alternative muskies? I'm not getting an e-collar yet, but I will later on. And Rebecca, that's fine. And I know we talk tomorrow. Um, you know, uh, we have our session in the morning. Uh, so, so we can talk a little bit more then. Any collar thingy works. So you can use a prong collar. Um, you can use a slip lead. You can use a martingale collar. Technically use a head halter. You just have to be careful. Um, I like e-collar just because like um, I have a bunch of them. Um, what brand do I use? Melon asked. My absolute favorite is the Chameleon 3 from Martin Systems. It's a Belgian brand and they have safety things that no other company has, including lets you know when you have contact. So you're not going to arc and overstim the dog. Um, it also will change it if the dog is wet from either a sudden downpour because hello, I live in Florida or from going in the pond. Um, what happens, and we were just having this conversation on, um, in, on Facebook land as well, uh, is the chameleon will automatically uh, adjust so you don't accidentally overstim your dog when he's wet. So when he's wet and he's in a pond or he's in the ocean or he's in a pool, that water's going to dissipate the stim. But as the dog comes out of the pool, that whole body of water is gone. And now it's just on your dog and you can accidentally overstim your dog. Uh, one of the girls said that, I think it was one of the girls, one of the people, one of the trainers had said that she'd gone to a 
hunting dog seminar years ago and the guy was saying, you know, yeah, you have to dial it down whenever the dog's wet. Mm -hmm. We know that. New people don't always know that. Pet people don't know that. Even if it's written in the instructions, who reads the instructions anymore? Not me. We just got, um, I got Rich a iRobot for Christmas, a Roomba, and he actually read the instructions. So he got it out. He put it together. He, he did that because I don't read instructions, I guess. He reads instructions all the time. So what eColor Tech, or what, I'm sorry, not eColor Tech, what um, Chameleon does, what Martin Systems does, is it'll automatically check it to make sure that you're getting, the dog is getting the right level stim. So if I have it on one, he's going to get one. He's not going to get two or three or four. He's just going to get one, even if he's wet, even if he's dry. So those two things, the contact, let me know I have contact. So I don't, and, and, um, and the, the, the sensor thing, they have the finger kick, which I love. Look at this. If, if you're not podcasting, if you're live, right? Look at how nice that is. This is my button. I can wear this all day and it doesn't bother me. If I need to not use it for a little bit, I can tap it up like this. If I need to use it a lot, I can do it like this or a little bit more like this. And I can adjust it so I can just do this. Nobody sees this out in public. If I'm going to do this to my dog, and this is one of the other reasons why I like it, is I never want to be the trainer who somebody gets a video of at Disney giving the dog a correction. And it could be that he, who knows what, he tried to eat poo. Um, he was, somebody, here's one. Here's my favorite. Are you ready? Somebody calls my dog and my dog looks. I'm going to correct that. I'm going to totally correct that. Why? Have you not heard the, don't distract a service dog because you could distract him from doing his job and he could miss an alert and something could happen to the owner. You've heard that, right? I know you have because it's been going all around Facebook. Here's the thing. Here's my view on it. You need to train your dog better. Why are you letting somebody else distract your service dog? This is your service dog. He needs to be trained better than any other dog out there. Okay. And if he's getting distracted by somebody whistling at him, by nickering, by blowing kisses at him, by talking to him, you need to, to proof your dog in that situation. So I use the kissy sound. Every single dog in here looks at me, go boys, because that means look at me. If somebody else does that, because everybody makes kissy sounds at my dogs, every single person who's a jerk makes kissy sounds at my dogs. If, if that's going to happen and they're going to look at them, they're getting a correction for it. So you know what the title would be? This evil bad trainer brought her dog, or this evil bad person brought her fake service dog to Disney. And whenever I nickered at it to tell it how much I liked it because it was doing so good, she gave him a pop on the collar and I got it all on video. I never want a video like that to come out in public, ever. Disney, Lowe's, down the street, I don't care. So I like my e-collar because if my dog looks, I do that. And I just move my thumb a fraction of an inch and my dog gets a correction. And because my dog knows what that means, it means do better. He's going to stop doing what he was doing and he's going to look to me, which is what he should be doing in the first place. Okay. So that's one of the reasons why I like an e-collar over any other tool and why I like the Martin system chameleon better than any other tool. The Bluetooth here is faster. It's smaller. Two other companies E-collar companies have remote buttons. One of them is like a watch. Well, I'm not doing this every time. It's annoying. And the other one is a much bigger finger thing, much bigger button. And I haven't played with it enough to, to see how it goes. But everyone needs that. Um, 
do you use stim and click at the same time or which one should be done first? I click first whenever I'm doing it. And um, when I'm introducing it, um, Claire, I click first. So if I'm capturing it down, when they down on there and I'm gonna click and reward that, click and reward that, click and reward that, when they like it, I'm gonna name it. And this is all in the online course because I know Claire's on the online course. And whenever they love it, I'm gonna activate it with the e-collar. And then it's gonna depend on if I click or if I stim. And it might be a stim, um, you know, down, that they're down, click treat. We might do that. Um, and Claire did not know about the awesomeness of the chameleon. Uh, Lauren, who she bought one from me, and so did Nicole. Lauren said, let's be real. My favorite part of the chameleon is it looks so much better on my gold. And it does. I love it because it doesn't look like a traditional e-collar. And it's so much smaller. The small size, there's three sizes to the chameleon. The small size looks like it could be a watch. Looks like it will fit on your wrist like a watch. So when we get those little dogs in that are four, five, six pounds, 10 pounds, it is the only collar I recommend. And when they tell me, but it's $700, I say, here's why you need it, because I know you're actually going to use it that way. And you save money on dog food and <laughs> meds, so you're good. Um, the other brand that I will use is eCollar Technologies. Um, that one's about 200 But trust me, guys, the extra $500 for those safety features is totes worth it. Okay? And it looks awesome. Uh, Nicole says, how do you get the finger kick to stay snug? The red band keeps loosening while I'm wearing it. So some of them have a black band. This one has a black band. Some of them have a red band like Nicole. What you want to do, Nicole, is um, you want to tie it in a knot. So we have the two loops that go around it. And then you want to knot it up at the end there. And kind of like if you know how to tie a tie for a man, where you go like over and under and through, you can do that, but you want to get it up there or it will slide. If you do it at the bottom, it will slide. And then what I'll do is because I have, and this is going to be really weird. And you're going to tell me why you're asking me, telling me this stuff. I have a, um, a silhouette cameo, which is like a cricket. And because of that, I have um, weeding tools for it. And what is that? That that means I print out vinyl and I can stick it on things like my shirt. I can iron it on or a car. But because of that, I have this, which looks like a, Oh my gosh, see, I'm like one of those people who do the makeup tutorials where I show you what brush I have. I have one of these. It's like a, a plaque tool, but it's not. It's a little pointy thing. Um, so I can get in there and loosen it up if I need to, if I need to tighten it up, because it will loosen up a little bit at a time, Nicole. But yeah, just just tie a little knot in it. Um, and, and if you want, we can um, Facebook message video, or um, I can shoot a quick little video. I can loosen this one up and, and we can do it to show you what it looks like and how to do it. Um, Cause yeah, you just go like around and through, but do it up towards the top. This is getting a little bit loose. So this will have to be needed, need to be tightened soon. Um, because you don't want to do this and have it fly off, you know, throw a ball for your dog in there. It's gone. Uh, Jeff says, I have a question. My service dog had her service dog vest off. I was at my dad's, a strange dog came over to the house towards my service dog, towards us. Okay, my service dog, we lost because I got a notification, warned the dog and the other dog still came towards us. My service dog chased her away off my dad's property and kept running. Was that okay or not? Can you PM me if you need to? I don't want to disturb your class. Um, Jeff. So Jeff, with that, vested or not, my dogs will listen to me, period. Um, I don't, so here's one of the fallacies as well with service dogs is they have to be vested in order to work. And if you want to visit with them, they have to take the vest off. Vest on or off, my dogs are going to work if I need them. I call them, they come. 
here's one great thing I'm working on with Django is if I do a tap, 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 or a tap, or a tap, tap, like it doesn't have to be three, um, but if I tap him, no matter where he's at, he comes running to me. So it is a come when called, which is what I need, because if I'm not feeling good, I can tap, 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 and he comes and he finds me, um, no matter what. Does that mean he has to have his e-collar on at all times? He's nine months old, yes. He has it on most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time. Um, for that too, Jeff, how is your service dog around other dogs normally? Because if your service dog wants to chase off other dogs, that's something that you need to work on uh, because your service dog can't do that. For example, Django was, uh, we met up with Remy, the brown poodle. Uh, we met up with Remy and her owner and her best friend um, and me and Rich and, and Django. So there were four people, two dogs at McAllister's for lunch today. And the dogs were underneath the table. The dogs totally ignored each other. I think two dogs walked by because it was outside eating. So the sidewalk was maybe six feet away from us where these dogs were walking by. Uh, and two dogs walked by. Django looked. We got a correction for that. You don't have to look. You know that they're coming. You can see them. You don't have to get up and look at them. You lie down and you ignore them. Um, you know, there was no lunging, barking, growling or anything like that. But I don't even want you to look at them. Uh, one of the girls, super nice. She's always there whenever we come uh, to McAllister. She always likes to come over and see. She hadn't seen Django in a while. She's like, he's huge. I'm like, I know. But even that, like, he doesn't go say hi. He He's working and he has his vest on. I tell people the vest is for other people, not for, for your dog. Your dog knows. Um, and at least he should know. Because, again, I'm going to call back the diabetic alert dogs. You're not going to say, huh. I wonder if my sugar's low or high. You're not, <laughs> that startled me. Um, you're not going to say, come here, dog. Let me put your vest on you. Gypsy got the toy now. Let me put the vest on you so you can, um, so you can check my sugar and let me know what's going on. Trying to move the lamp. Why are you moving the lamp? I don't know. I saw it in different places. And I said that boy it should be somewhere else. No, but. it's good. You can take Gypsy out though. Um, just because, oh, there, she's like, don't take me out. I want to be in here. I'm part of the webinar. No, no, I can't get back to where it was. It's up too high. That's why. And then you do that. Okay. I can't believe I just came in and messed everything you just up. just messed everything up, Rich. Oh, okay. wait a minute. What if I want um, Mackenzie says she usually just uses the leave it command or focus. I, I want it to be something I don't have to do. If I have to tell the dog to leave it every single time, it gets darn annoying because the dog needs to know when to leave it and when not to leave it. Um, so while they're puppies, yes, I will tell them leave it if I need to. Thank you. Uh, I will tell them leave it. I will tell them uh, look or watch or focus. But I'm not going to be begging with my dog all the time. And don't forget, guys, I work my dogs at Disney a lot and Universal a lot. And there's a lot of people. It's not like I went to the Walmart at midnight. It's not like I went to Walmart at midnight and I was the only person there. You know, and I am not going to tell my dog to leave it for every single person. You know, we were sitting watching the candlelight processional and we had, I don't know how many people walk by and stare at the dogs or walk by and them or walk by and just acknowledge them in some way. And I'm going to enjoy myself and not watch, have to watch my dog to tell my dog to leave it or watch me or focus or look. Uh, Claire says you're very convincing on that system. Claire, I am passionate that this is the best tool for your dog. I really am. It's amazing. Um, Melon says, how much money do they run? They are 
the feathers are 20 and the shipping is um, from me to you is 25. So I import them from Belgium, and, which means I have to pay customs on it a lot too. Um, and, but that's what they run. So you're looking at right under 750 for the whole thing. And I ship it to you in short, of course, because it's $750 worth of equipment. Um, the other one, the e-color tech are 200. And it took me a while before I actually bought the chameleon, but now we have two of the chameleon threes and a chameleon extender on their micro. Um, you can get a extender. So here's the thing, um, e-collar tech, e-collars, which is the only other brand that I really use. I'll use Dogtra sometimes, but only if they have it. I, I don't sell Dogtra, but um, e-collar tech runs $200 for their mini, which is the circle remote one, um, which is the one most people get. So that's $200 to get the chameleon extender for it is an additional $300. Okay. And you still don't get the good finger kick. You don't get the contact measurement. You don't get the um, letting you know, that's letting you know you have good contact. You don't get the, um, I think they call it the SSC, which is where it checks it and it changes it if need be. You don't get the sleekness as much of looking at because you have the big box on it, but you do get to change out where the contact points are. And you're already hitting $500 and you're working with a mediocre system with a good system. You know, the Chameleon Extender is amazing, but it can't give you that contact to let you know you have good contact. And I'm telling you why I love it so much. So you guys know I have Gypsy, who's my golden. And you know, I've been doing this for years. E-collar stuff for years. Thought I knew what I was doing, okay? When I put the chameleon on Gypsy, even if I brush her out right before I put it on her, she is such a thick coat. Over half the time when I put it on her, it tells me I do not have good contact. Now, if I do not have good contact, then the stem is going to have to be higher and arc it in order to get through it. And I do not want that to have to happen. Okay. So that's why to me, this tool is absolutely amazing because it can make up for a lot of the problems. Uh, for example, you guys know we had the Afghans in uh, last month. Um, we had them in for a month and they went home a month ago. Those Afghans were in full coat and they were gorgeous. We put pictures up because like they're beautiful dogs, um, but they were in full coat. Well, we don't know if the contacts are making contact because they don't have the chameleon. Um, so the owner, now that the dogs are home, has had to dial up and, you know, we don't know sometimes if the dog's feeling it. So um, they came out over the weekend and we discussed what can be done to make sure to make it better because he's not going to trim a patch on his dog's coat to do it. Uh, so they're going to try the wings from e-collar tech because that's a collar that they had bought. They're going to get the wings and they're going to get a bungee collar and hopefully with that. But what one of the things with the chameleon is you can use a you don't have to have the collar on as tight to get the same connection, which is really awesome. Um, Michelle says I need to wait for the price to come down on them before I can. I would work Michelle um, and Melon too um, on saving up for it uh, because I don't think the prices are going to come down. Um, you know, with what you get for it, it's pretty awesome. The only thing I really don't like about it is the charging cables. It is um, alligator clamps that you clip onto it, but once you figure out how to use it, it's fine. You know, it works. And the reason it's that way and not like a lot of them have like a little um, stopper that you open up and you plug it in is because the collar is completely waterproof and it's slim and they just, that's how it has to charge or induction charging. And here's the problem with induction is one of the, the plate um, that has the stuff on it. You would need two of those, which means the collar is going to be much bigger, which means those little dogs aren't going to have a collar that works out well for them. Melon says, I need this so bad. Yeah. Jess is very good. She's great around other dogs. Good. 
Yeah, tell Rich the light is fine. Uh, and then uh, Claire also says, must drive you crazy when the passersby snicker at the dogs. It does, especially in the beginning. So like I said, we just use it for training. So what happens? Um, I'll sit down outside because I do a lot of training from a seated position so I don't pass out. So we're outside. Somebody walks by and, and nickers at them. And I'm watching my dog because this is fully just a training session now, not a working session. And my dog looks, tap, 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 do better, do better, do better, do better, looks at me, click treat. Okay. Looks again when somebody else nickers, tap, 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 looks at me, click treat. So looking at them doesn't pay. Looking at me pays. If they're distracted, I nicker at them, click treat. Uh, Michelle says, I say, leave it to the people who pester my dog. I get some nasty looks and I find I don't care. Um, yeah, I'd be telling everybody there to leave it. Uh, we will sometimes, uh, we were walking and somebody just, this happens all the time, especially when I'm in the chair, they'll just reach down and pet the dog. And because I'm in the chair, I see it and I need to get to where I just like whack their hand away from it. But then that's technically assault too. I'm Matthew Bone. So Matt was at our silver school. And um, he's he's awesome. I'm looking forward to seeing him in gold school too. Matt says, since September, I have replaced every collar I own with the Chameleon 3 and it's worth it. And you will not be disappointed. Matt, I 110% agree with you. Uh, what I did after my first silver school, so that was last February, well, this past February, is I came home and I had my list of collars. I went through the house and I gathered all my collars, made sure they all worked because they did. All my collars, they all worked. Um, I put them together into like, here's this one with a charging set because I had so many extra things, you know, holsters and whatever, this whole set, this whole set, this whole set. And I listed them and I sold every single one of them. I had probably seven e-collars. I think I sold every single one of them. And with that, I had enough to buy. I think that's how I got the two e-collars. The two extra e-collars was just on that alone. Um, so like it couldn't have been for, I don't know, maybe it was enough to buy one e-collar and I bought another one. But it was it was nice. And like I kept track of like how much it was, but it was a good way to justify it uh, because Rich is still like he has to go to silver. So he's actually signed up for the silver school in March. Uh, Rich is going. A couple friends are going as well, which is pretty cool. I'm trying to go. We're trying to figure out what to do, um, you know, with Luke here. So um, he's had some panic attacks and I cannot leave him here alone while Rich and I are halfway across the country. So trying to figure out what, what we can do if we're going to bring him with us, if someone's going to stay here at the ranch, um, you know, just kind of figuring that out because I really, really, really would like to go back for another silver school and see Michael and Bart and Jackie again. And uh, we'll see what happens. Karen says, now this is our Karen who is in, um, in Gainesville. Uh, I work Holstein with many types of equipment with both types of vests and harnesses and collars and by far the most reliable tool with the least amount of help from me and the easiest on him is the chameleon for consistent behavior results. Exactly. Yeah, I use a lot with them too. My favorite, I love the chameleon guys. Honestly, it's the best. And I actually have to place an order um, within the next couple of days before they close up for the rest of the year. So if anybody wants in on it, let me know and I will, uh, I will order you so you get one for Christmas because it's a great Christmas present for you too. I got myself a wheelchair for Christmas, an electric wheelchair. I got Rich the Roomba and something else, which I'm not going to say in case he is listening in. Um, and then I don't know what to get Luke or Rich or I, so I know we're going to renew our Disney passes. And that could be happy Christmas to us. I don't know. Deb says, this is Loki's owner. Deb says, it's the best investment I've ever made with a golden. I never have to worry about contact. And, and like I said, with me, that is huge for my golden. Um, 
Karen says the Chameleon 4 is going to cost more and it is going to have induction as well. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. There's going to be a Chameleon 4 and then I think he is also planning on a Chameleon 5, but the 4 will be way more expensive. Um, Michelle says I need to have for a mini poodle first. So Michelle, when it is time for a mini poodle, you want the Chameleon 3 and you want the small size. Um, we have pictures of Ollie in it. Um, we've done it with that. Raleigh has one. She's a little toy Aussie. I think she's seven pounds. Like it's, it's honestly every time in one of the trainer groups that somebody says, I want a e-collar for this little dog. My only response is it has to be a chameleon three. It has to be. It's the only one that's really set up for it. E-collar tech's been promising us for years, a nano for years. They've been promising it and they released the micro and that's not much different. It's a wee bit lighter, but it's really not much smaller at all. Maybe a couple millimeters smaller, but the, the chameleon is light years ahead of its time. Um, Karen says, you have my request. I do. Uh, Matt says, I'm sending one of my other trainers in March. I wish I could attend again, but it's before I complete gold, so I can't. Yeah, yeah, Karen was with that same issue. Um, and I feel bad for you guys because it's really awesome. What is induction, Claire asked? Um, if you have um, the, what is it, the, the Q charger thing for your phone where you put it on something and it automatically charges, that's induction. I don't have to plug in the cables. I just set it on something and it charges up on its own. That's induction charger. Um, Melon says, I live in Georgia and I have a friend that lives in um, Port Ritchie, Florida. How far are you from there? I don't know where Port Ritchie is, but we're about an hour north of Tampa, an hour south of Gainesville, like five minutes from I-75. And so we're about 45 minutes to an hour from Tampa, 45 minutes to an hour from um, you know, from Orlando. And we are right south of the village. It's about 15 minutes south of the villages from the south end. Uh, Karen says, that means I need to take care of your dog so you and Rich can go. Well, that's the thing, Karen. I mean, if, if you're off and you want to come out here with the critters too, uh, I would just send you my dogs, except we have, you know, the cows and the goats and the chickens too. Um, she wants the, the the induction one, Deb, right? I mean, I, I'm i in love with it. Um, and now the new one that they're coming out, the four, is going to communicate with your phone. So you can go in and change levels that way. It's going to tell you what your dog's temperature is. You're going to have all these neat things that can be done. Um, so I'm really looking forward to seeing it. Um, but this isn't about how awesome the e-callers are, even though I love that that's where the conversation went to. <laughs> When I'm supposed to talk about the fallout and fallacy of positive only training. <coughs> do any of the chameleon callers have a nightlight feature on them? No, unfortunately they do not. Um, the um, chameleons do not have the nightlight feature. So you know what we do, Christina is because we do the stuff at night and this is what I always forget though, um, is they have the light up callers. So we just put the light up callers on the dogs. If we're going to take them out to Disney at night or to universal at night, if I remember to grab them. Um, so we can charge it up and do that. And Karen says, no, I'd take off and stay at your place. Karen, if you want to do that, that would be flipping amazing. And then tell me if you want Luke here or not. Um, cause if not, we'll just bring him out with us too. We'll fly him out and he can stay at the hotel. Um, or if you want him here too, that works too. And then, um, back to positive only training. Okay. Are you ready for this? Here's one of the, the things is you have to stay in the training system, what you start and you have to finish in. If you're doing, um, the knee popo. There's a reason why we like it, right? And But this isn't about knee popo. What it is is about why you don't want to do popo nay, which is positive, positive, positive. You give a dog a correction. He doesn't know what to do, and he flattens, which happens. Uh, now, one question I'm going to ask you is how long have you been driving? 
Now I got my license at 16. I'm in my early forties now. So I've been driving for a lot. Um, Melon, um, if you could message me instead, that would be the best because I'm going to have to go in and find you. <laughs> um, but I've been driving a lot. Um, you probably have too. I mean, maybe you're only 18, maybe you don't have your license yet. But what we found was that um, most people have had a ticket or have been in an accident. I've been in two accidents. I've been rear-ended twice by drivers on their phones. But, uh, you know, but I'm an expert driver. But if I'm an expert driver, why do you get tickets? Why do you get accidents? So you need to have that musk and you need to have a way to do better. So even if your dog's an expert at something, he can still need help and he can still make mistakes, just like you did. Okay, so um, so we don't want to train in the Popone style, which is positive, 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 positive. The dog makes a mistake and you correct him because it's not in the style in which it was. Your correction in a Popo style, in positive only Po training, your correction in there is removal of food. It's the only thing you can use because it's the only thing you've been using. Okay, so there's a, if you're listening, I'm sorry. If you're watching, you get a bonus. And that is I'm going to draw you a triangle, which is a pyramid. We're going to call this a pyramid, even though it's one dimensional triangle. Okay, so there's three levels to your pyramid. You have the bottom third, the middle third, and the top third. The bottom third is you always help your dog. Always help your dog. The middle is you sometimes help your dog. And the top is you never help your dog, okay? So there, I wrote it down for you if you're watching. If you're listening, you can write it yourself. Draw a pyramid, divide it into bottom third, middle third, and top third. And then write always on the bottom, sometimes in the middle, and never on the top. That's how you help your dog. Because you're not going to be there all the time. When Luke was young and he was learning how to tie his shoes, we helped him all the time. As he was getting it and he was doing well, we helped him sometimes. And now that he's 18, when it's been this way for a number of years, we never have to help him tie his shoes, okay? So always help the dog. So if I'm in the po positive training, I can help him, 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 I can help him. So I'm gonna do a lot of click and rewards, a lot of click and rewards, okay? The sometimes helping him. So as he's getting it, as he knows it, and how do I know if a dog knows the behavior? How do you know that? How do you know if a dog knows the command? And before I answer that, I want some of your um, dog knows the command. Tell me how you think you know if a dog knows the command. Okay. Because this is always one that people ask. And I wrote it down so I don't forget. So sometimes I will do nothing. And sometimes I'm going to do positive reinforcement because I'm helping them sometimes. So here I'm going to do it uh, faster responses. I'm gonna do it for speed. I'm gonna do better. Like maybe it was a straighter sit. Uh, maybe the come, he stopped right in front of me instead of like veering off to the side. Stronger, better, faster, right? So I'm gonna reward stronger, better, faster. And the ones that are just kind of meh, I'm not gonna reward at all, okay? And then I'm never gonna help them out. So what happens if the dog doesn't do in a positive training system? Well, you do nothing because you can't do anything except take away food for 12 to 24 hours. Because you have to have enough time that your dog feels those hunger pains. If the dog does not feel those hunger pains, is he going to be motivated enough? 
Uh-huh. And I don't like to tell a dog that you can't eat. You know, you get some dogs who are on meds that they need to eat every 12 hours. Um, but you want the dog to, to, to do it. But the only way to make them do it is to starve them in a positive training system because the only thing you are using is food. Okay, does that make sense? Now, how many reps does it take to move from here all the way up to the top of the pyramid where they're doing good? It's going to take between, are you ready for this one? 4,000 and 6,000 reps per behavior. Sit. 4,000 to 5,000 reps. Down. 4,000 to 5,000 reps. Stay. 4,000 to 5,000 reps. Everything. 4,000 to 5,000 reps. Now, I'm going to pull my calculator out here. So if we're talking 5,000 reps, because that's halfway between four and 6,000, excuse you, and we're talking about doing a three-week boot camp on a dog, that's 21 days. We're going to use 20 days because, you know, first day in, last day out type of thing. So divided by 20 days is you have to do 4,000 to 6,000. You got it, Matt, is 250 reps a day per sit. 250 reps a day per down. 250 reps a day for place, 250 reps a day for everything. Now, if you divide it up and you do 10 training sessions with the dog, 10 sessions times 25 reps in each session or 10 reps at 25 sessions. The problem with that is your dog is going to be mentally wiped and not get it. And this is why most people who do positive reinforcement training cannot do it in a boot camp environment. They can't because there's not enough time in the day to get it done. Now, say for these, say we're going to use 6,000 because it's a little evener of a number, okay? And there's 365 days. Hey, 365. Rue has another toy and Django wants it, so he's going to be a jerk until he gets it. Um, 300 days in a year. Yeah, take off a total of two months, right? How many is that? Three goes into 60 20 times. So if you practice... 20 times a day, it will take you a year. So if you're doing sit, down, come, place, heel, that's 20 times five things you have to work on. That's 100 things, and it's going to take you a full year to train. That's ridiculous. Who's got time for this? I don't have time to train a dog up for a year to get him to sit reliably. When uh, with the NEPO or the NEPO-PO training system, instead of 4,000 to 6,000, Matt, how many is it? For the NEPO and the NEPO-PO, I'll quiz you. Uh, it's, it's much, much less. So while, while Matt's going to write up the answer there, if he's still on, um, there, Melon got back to me good. Um, Rebecca says if they, so how do you know the dog knows the command? Rebecca says they do it in any environment on the first try. Perfect. Claire says if they are doing it like it's second nature. Perfect. Portia says if you say the command once and he does it right away, not multiple times. Perfect. So you guys are on point with it. If they do it on the first command with heart and soul. Okay, that's that's what I want. I don't want the dog to be like, don't, okay, and he Eeyore downs, right? I don't want that. I want it to be down. Look what I did. I'm so cool. Aren't I so cool? Yes, you are so cool. I love that. So Matt got it. So in the NEPO or the NEPOPO training system, it's 400 to 600, right? In the positive reinforcement, it's 4,000 to 6,000. So you have to do 10 times the amount of work to be in a positive training system than in a not positive training system. Why? Million dollar question. Why is it so much more 
when it's positive reinforcement, so many more reps that the dog needs. Okay. I'm going to drop that down so I remember what my question is. And I want you guys to answer that. I'm, I'm interested to see what, why you think it. Why more reps? Because you know why? If I don't write it down, my brain fog comes in and I don't remember the answer or the question of what I was asking. So why why does positive need 4,000 to 6,000, but the Nipo and the Nipopo need 400 to 600? And it's not because we like the Nipo and the Nipopo better. Uh, because trust me, guys, if the Poe worked for every dog, don't you think we all would be doing it? Yes, we would. Uh, dogs understand a mixture of negative and positive better than only positive. Rebecca, you got it on the first try. You got it. If you only reward the right behavior for children or for animals, you are setting the dog up to not get it to be confused. And in everything, there needs to be clarity. And I cannot stress this enough to people. That clarity is huge. If you do not have clarity, if things are not clear, then what's the opposite of clear? They're confused. They're confusing. And Matt says here too, there's no consequence for not doing. And that's the other thing. If you tell me, Vicki, I need you to go to the store today. Okay. But the consequence for not doing is nothing. I'm not going to go to the store today because I wasn't feeling good and I'm not going to make the effort to do it. If you tell me, Vicki, you need to go do whatever, but I don't see a consequence for not doing it, I'm not going to do it. You know, um, it's just, it's common sense. You know, like, why is because your dog's not here to, because you're his master and he adores you. That's not why he's going to listen. He's going to listen because it's in his best interest. Right, Matt? Did you practice your, your Nipopo story? I'm going to tell you guys a Nipopo story. Nipopo, Bart says this every day, so you have to practice it. Okay. Um, and so this is one of the things that I, I always try to practice with clients and just like, I try to just do it. I'm in the car with Rich and I'll start telling him this because you need to memorize it and be able to do it coming and going. Me propose a negative, positive, positive training system where the dog learns to do on cue with heart and soul. Okay. Uh, what you do is you have to ask yourself, why does a dog do? And in order to answer that, I'm going to tell you two stories. First story, and I did tweak these for service dogs, is I have a dog who will he will pick up his bowl and he will bring it to me and he will bang it into me if it's empty and he's hungry, okay? But if I try to get him to pick up a cane, pick up a remote control, pick up a phone, pick up my medical bag and give it to me, he's like, no, I don't know how to pick that up. I don't know what you're talking about. Why? Why is it when he wants to do it, he loves it. What I want him to do it, he's like, um, it doesn't work that way. My mouth doesn't go around things like that. Or you have a dog who loves to sniff outside. You take him out for a walk and he is sniffing everywhere and he loves to sniff. But whenever you're trying to get him to sniff a diabetic alert sample to train him up as a diabetic alert dog, he's like, um, my sniffer doesn't work that way. I don't know what you're talking about. But whenever he wants to do it, it's super. Whenever I want him to do it, it's not super. Okay. So why? Why is this? Huh? Waiting for answers, guys. Because it's good. And it's good stuff. I'm trying to find here my notes. So, um, <laughs> because when a dog does it spontaneously, he'll do it with heart and soul, right? And if I try to get him to do it, he's going to be like, no, you can't make me do it. And we don't want that. So what does a dog do is to better his own situation. Okay, that that's it. It's not to please you. It's not because you're the master. It's not because... Um, you know, he adores you beyond life, especially in the beginning. 
you know, in the end, I do want the dog to work for the love of, of the work, not because, you know, he might get a treat for it. So with that, what does the dog do to better his own situation? How does the dog better his own situation? Positive reinforcement, negative reinforcement, and me popo. So positive reinforcement is a part of it. It's a huge part of it, right? Uh, and, and through others as well. But we want the dog to think that he came up with it. And just like with kids, if they think that they came up with it, they're going to love it and they're going to fight for it. And why do you use an e-collar on, on behaviors? That question from earlier. Because whenever he likes it and you add some conflict to it, he's going to love it. Okay? So whenever your kid has these weird ideas in their head, you can't tell him, no, that's stupid, because he's going to love it even more. Your kid gets a uh, finds a girlfriend or boyfriend right? Who's just like weird and like, it's totally not going to work out. And if you put your foot down and you say, you are not seeing that person because of whatever reason, your kid's going to be like, well, Romeo and Juliet, I love them so much. But if you're like, okay, you know, and you're not adding that conflict, they're going to figure out that the person's a weirdo and they're going to not be together for long, usually, hopefully. But if you give that conflict to them, they're going to dig in their heels and fight for it to prove that they're right and that you're wrong is part of it. But still, Okay. So Claire says, because they learn more from the anticipation of my dog has gone through the roof just this week since I started making them anticipate and having to wait until they do it. That's awesome. So there's a great video, part of the homework for, for silver. If you guys want a little cheater here is uh, Robert Sapolsky has a video on um, the anticipation of the reward. And what they found in this video, it's a YouTube video. It's like less than five minutes, super easy uh, to, to watch, but it was, let me see if I get this right. Rats pushing a lever and getting a treat. And you would think that the getting the treat would, would make their dopamines spike, right? Because like that's the good stuff is getting the reward at the end. No. What they found is they turn on the light, the rat would do the work, the rat would get the reward. And it spiked whenever the light turned on because it was the anticipation of the reward because they knew through classical conditioning that the light turning on meant they do the work means they get the treat. So that's what they liked the most was the light turning on, not the work, not the reward. It was the light turning on. And whenever they changed it to where half the time they got a treat and half the time they didn't get a treat, what do you think happened to those dopamine levels? It skyrocketed and it made them nuts. If you're like, no, that doesn't happen in people. I'm going to give you two words, Las Vegas, right? Now you can go and play the the duck game at county fairs where you pick it up and everyone's a winner. Is that fun? No. You go to Vegas, you play the slots, you play the cards, you play the tables. I don't gamble, so I don't understand that stuff. But that's much, much better. It's much funner and you're going to get much more addicted to it, which is kind of the whole idea of going to Vegas. And since I can have a bit of an addictive personality, I didn't gamble whenever I went to Vegas a couple years ago. I didn't. Rich is like, well, you have to go. Just take like 20 bucks and just go or 100 bucks and just go. Just go and gamble some. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Um, Rebecca says, I figure even mama dogs correct their pups. They learn from day one with a doggy version of negative positive training. Exactly, uh, Rebecca, you've got it. Exactly. And, and the people who, well, no, they never punish. Like, have you ever seen a dog? A mama dog? She's not going to put up with that. Uh, you know, parents, you need to correct, but it has to be appropriate. And that's where people get into trouble is the dog jumps up 
and you know you smack the crap out of them. Well, first, that's not an appropriate correction because you didn't use it to teach the behavior in the first place or any behavior in the first place usually. Um, but like Deb on here, Loki's mom, he cannot jump up on her. He cannot pull her because she has MS. She has brittle bone disease. Like he could kill her. And we do not want that to happen because we love Deb. She's fantastic. Um, and we love Loki. And we want them to be set up for as much success as possible. So that means if he does it, he's going to get a correction. Now, when he came out, uh, Deb, because he, he's been out here with us for just about three weeks now, um, doing another boot camp. And, uh, and he came out and, and he was doing like a little flinch on a one on his chameleon. And I'm like, what? Why are you doing that? So what we started doing with him is stim for good things. Stim, treat, stim, treat. Stim when he's doing something. And now he's he's fine with it again. So I think he was trying to play us to see if he can get away with it, right? Because dogs can be opportunistic. Why do they do something? To better their own situation. So if they want to do a little flinchy thing, whenever we stim them, maybe we won't stim them anymore and think that we're bad people. No, I know how much one is. That was nothing. He is a faker, Deb. Just a faker on there. He is totally. Um, and then another thing that he's learned too is because she does have um, her medical issues that she has, if he pulls her to go get something because it's super fun over there, she will let go of the leash because she has no other option because he cannot pull her over. Okay. So she lets go of the leash. So now he's like, well, cool. Anything at time I see something I want, I'm going to pull and go get it. So it's like, oh, oh, no, you're not. We have new rules now. So for that, we're not going to use the level one. We're going to use the level to get them to knock it off. Now, if we were going to do that with positive only training, what would we have to do? Right? What would you do if it was positive only? Um, Claire said that's a super video, the Sapolsky video. It is, isn't it? I really, I've watched that a few times and it's super, and I'll take notes on it. And it's just, it's a great video. Um, what would we have to do for a dog who pulls like Loki um, did? Hopefully, he stopped it. Um, what would we do? What you would have to do is get him to an area where there was no distractions. Well, good luck with that in the outside world and get him hungry enough, starve him, until he is willing to work for you without going after the thing that he wants to go after, and then gradually get him closer to that. And whenever he goes after it, well, he doesn't get to eat anymore, but he's going after it because positive. You know, you can't. You really can. I had a client who wanted to only use positive reinforcement training. And I guess I can do it. I know positive reinforcement training. My, my pyramid showed you I know positive reinforcement training. The problem is you have to do a lot more work. You have to do 10 times the amount of work, which we just talked about. Matt helped us with the numbers, right? 10 times the amount of work to do only positive training. And it's not fair to the dog because it's not clear to the dog. Okay. So I had a client who wanted to use only positive training, which is fine. We can do that. Um, well, we did that at the time. We, we said, okay, well, then the dog started barking at people. Now, this was a service dog in training, started barking at people. Okay, here's what you do is you take them down, you get them. Tell me if this sounds familiar, what I just talked about with Loki. You get them far enough away that he doesn't respond to the other dog or to the other people, not dog, to the other people, and you feed the dog. And if the dog um, is good, the dog's doing well, great. It's all good. If the dog's um, barks at somebody, you take her up, you crate her, and you don't feed her for 12 to 24 hours, and then you try it again. And she only eats if she's calm around people, but you have to be a distance far enough away. 
that she doesn't respond at first. And then you walk back and forth and up and down and closer and further. You don't just say here and then closer and then closer and then closer and closer because that's not going to work. Okay. And then she's like, well, cool. Every time I'm around people, I get to eat. You know the problem with that? 4,000 to 6,000 repetitions and nobody has time for it. The same dog, um, the owner has cats and the dog ended up with a cat in his mouth and not a cat who crawled into her mouth to see what was going on, right? Um, she chased after a cat and she got a cat in her mouth and the owner was panic stricken. What do I do now? Okay, well, let's see. You can crate the dog when the cats are up, put the cats away and let the dog out. So crate and rotate. Make sure the cats are able to get above ground. Make sure the dog is on a leash at all times. That's how you do it positive. The dog only eats whatever she's calm around the cats. So you have a dog who might be starving for a few days because it's so much more fun to chase them. Or he use an e-collar and we correct that really quickly, but we have to lay that foundation first because we can't go po, 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 nay. So we would have to correct the dog first, or no, we would have to teach the dog first with it. And that might be layering over what they already know, but it's not going to be slam the dog with an e-collar because the dog's going after a cat because... The dog might shut down, the dog might run away, the dog might not know what's going on because he hasn't been taught on that equipment, okay? But it can be frustrating. The dog went after her cat. Like, what? Okay, so you have that. Um, Michelle says, life will throw things at your dog that no treat will trump. I said Trump on there. I thought you were talking about politics. I'm like, I don't talk politics on this. But no, I totally agree with you, Michelle. There's going to be things on there that are starving for a week with a filet mignon and that thing is going to be better. And it's going to happen. It's going to happen with every dog at some point. So what do you do? There's a great story that I've seen circulating on um, Facebook about a woman who rescues a dog because that's what you're supposed to do is rescue the dogs. You're not supposed to go to breeders and get a dog and do your research and get a purposeful um, bred dog with health and genetic testing. You're supposed to rescue a dog. So she rescues a dog and the dog has issues. And so she finds a positive family trainer because that's what you're supposed to do and makes mistakes, makes excuses for this dog. And in a year, the dog's on meds. The dog has ruined all social relationships that she has. No friends or family want to come over. She's getting a divorce from her husband because he can't take it anymore. But this poor dog has been abused and we have to use positive only training. And we can't tell the dog no and ends up putting the dog down at the vet's office and just crying because, you know, the dog just, it wasn't his fault. Yeah, you know what? If you would have told the dog no, it would have been a lot easier. I can tell when the dogs come in, the dogs who have been told no before. And that doesn't mean no, no, no. That's not what I mean. When I say the dogs who have been told no, the dogs who have had any sort of um, correction, appropriate correction for different behaviors, or the dogs who have just been let, let, away, let get away with murder. I've been able to tell who the dogs are for the most part because the behavior shows it to you. And the dogs that have been allowed to get away with murder are heathens. And as much as I call Django my heathen, like he is nothing compared to, to what some of these dogs are when they come in. Speaking of my heathen, he's on the bed watching me. I love him. Um, Claire says she got to leave. She loves all the stuff she's learned. And thank you. Well, good. I'm glad that we were able to, to do an awesome one. And I'm going to be signing off here. You guys got me for four minutes. You guys got me until seven. So if you have any questions that you have, let me know or I will ramble. And you don't always want me to ramble. Um, so yeah, positive training, it has its place. And I love positive reinforcement training. And I do positive reinforcement training a lot. But I am not only in ever positive reinforcement training. And no good trainer is. 
because they realize the limitations of it. It's like, hmm, if you could only learn to do one thing or if you can learn to do everything, including that one thing, who would you rather go to? Now, while yes, you might want to go to a specialist. Whenever Gypsy had her heart tested and Candy had her heart tested at the end of November, they went to a cardiologist. But the cardiologist also went to normal vet school and learned normal vet stuff. She just super studied in it. But she can do other things too, okay? Like, for example, we found out Gypsy had fleas. And they didn't notice it in the initial exam. Whenever they were doing her echo, they noticed that she had fleas. And so she got a cap star and so did um, Candy, right? If she would only do cardi echo cards and she wouldn't know that what a flea is, like we're talking issues, right? Michelle says, train the dog in front of you. Yep. Rebecca says, I like to compare Talos's behavior compared to my significant other's two dogs. One's five and the other's a year old. Talos is only nine and a half weeks and he already behaves better. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, Rebecca, you need to hold the dogs accountable for it. Even at nine and a half weeks old, like I love the pictures. Your other, your older service dog is like his size. And he's nine and a half weeks old. But setting them up for success starts, Rebecca, at this age. It starts at eight weeks old. It starts at 10 weeks old. It starts as soon as you get your dog. And that's a problem with a lot of service dogs and a lot of pet dogs is people get them. They're puppies. They, well, you only can use positive reinforcement. I can't correct my puppy. So the dog does whatever the heck he wants to. And then the dog's six months old. Now he's had four months of this unwanted, unnot, totally naughty, undesired behavior. And how are you going to correct him? So you correct him. Now you've been doing popo nay. So that's why we like to start right away with the napopo. Uh, Matt says, this has been a great, so uh, this has been so great. Great job presenting the information. Thank you, Matt. Um, and Shira says, it's been awesome. Thank you, guys. Um, so as, as we round down with our last minute here, um, I want to remind you, we do have our service dog school, um, service dog training, the Nipopo way, the end of February 2020. Uh, we do have a few openings left for that. Um, we're up some 20 people, I think, um, that we have in for that. So I'm super excited for it. And we are, uh, we're going to do it here at the ranch. So you get to experience life here uh, for a little bit. Um, it's information can be found on our website at dream k9 d-r-e-a-m the letter k the number nine dot com and it will be service dog training the nipopo way like what the title is is what we're doing we're going to talk about all different things that you need to know for service dog training so if you're a professional trainer you need this if you're interested in nipopo or service dog training or both you need this if you're a, a pet owner who wants to train up their dog as a service dog or if you're a service dog trainer who's training up your own dog you need this who is this for Anyone who's interested in dog training or service dog training, pet, professional, or anywhere in between, it doesn't matter. This is going to be geared. Some of it will be, you, we will have some on choosing the clients to work with. Well, guess what? Some of my clients are coming. So you'll get to see why I like working with the clients that we work with. Um, and in that, they might not be interested in, but they might. I don't know. Um, but we want, we want to help people because it's hard to find a dog trainer who can help them with service dog training. Matt's going to look into it. Awesome, Matt. Um, and I've had some requests from around the country to come out and do it. So we're, we're kind of in talks about it and I'm sure it'll resume come January. Um, but I can only, I know what I can handle and I know I want, you know, Karen or Rich to come with me for it as well. And how many days ahead of time I need and how many days after I need to refresh. So, you know, we'll see what happens in February. 
I plan on resting like the week beforehand and then dictating a lot while I am sitting down. Um, because as you see, I can sit here and talk and it's all good. And if I have to skip lunch in order to take a nap to, to recharge, I plan on doing that. So it's too about what can you do to make it work for you um, and how to get it across. But we're going to be covering what to look for in service dog prospects, what to look for in puppies or adult dogs, where you're going to find the dogs at, who you're going to work with, all that fun stuff. And if you already have a dog and you're working on them, we're going to talk about um, the basics, the advanced training. It's not going to be so much sit down, come place, heal, but more the public access and service dog taskiness of it and how we tie that in with Nipopo. Okay. Um, so if you have any questions about it, PM me um, through Victoria Warfel on Facebook or through Dream Dogs here. That comes to me and Rich and I'm usually the one to answer it. Uh, or you can reach out to us. Uh, you can call me. The information's on our website, dreamk9.com. The registration form and the info is all on there as well um, on dreamk9.com. So it's the four-day school, service dog school. Okay. I will see you guys next week. Um, if you have a topic in mind, let me know because I like to take requests. Um, I do have a list of about half a dozen that I do need to cover. Uh, so we'll see how things go. And I know Christmas is coming too. So this, can you believe this Friday is my anniversary? Me and Rich, we got married in 1997. So that is what, 22 years that we'll be married as of Friday, which means we've known each other for 24 years, <laughs> which is like, oh my God, I can't believe that. That's like forever long, but which is awesome because he puts up with me and I put up with him and it's pretty cool. So I will catch you guys uh, next week and you know where to find me in the meantime. Bye.